Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Stone Genius Podcast. My name's Ro. I am the Stone Genius show. Me, I am often stoned. I'm always a genius. Unless you ask my wife, then it's it may not even be 50 50 at that point. Hey, we're going to welcome back to the podcast uh, someone who's been on before. Um, they, uh, w- are, we're going to talk about mental health today, also physical health today. Uh, welcome back to the program, Mitch Webb. Bro, thanks for having me, brother. Good to be here, man. Man, it's so nice to have you. And I know that we, we've we tried to connect the last couple weeks, and we've had some. And the first thing I want to talk about is the, if you're willing to, the original uh, day that we were going to talk, you said that you, you wanted to reschedule, which was fine. And I'm totally fine. Do you remember and why you wanted to reschedule at that point? Because I thought it was great, and you even said when you texted me why, and I, I thought it was great and something to talk about. Yeah, sure, man. Um, I had been uh, doing some therapy work and uh, with, with the therapist and had a, had a big session that would kind of open me up to a lot of feelings. And um, it was a, the first time working with that person. I didn't know really what to expect. And right. it was just a little bit, a little bit overwhelming. And so instead of like I would have done in the past, like push through anything and uh, show up and, and override my emotions, override what I'm feeling. I just said, Hey, it's not a good day. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. Like one of the problems that I have is when I see other people not saying no, like, I don't understand why you can't put those two letters together. I mean, it is so empowering. I, I remember I used to work at a job. I was director of operations of this company, and our controller's office was next to us. But we, if the doors were open, you could hear. And one day the owner went into there, and he, he asked this guy to do something. He goes, he goes, why? I don't want to do it. He goes, go ask Roe to do it. And he goes, I'll go ask Roe to do it. He'll say no. I'll come back to you. I'll finally get, convince you to do it. So will you just do it? And it was just because I, I, I had con- I'd conditioned them to there are certain things that I'll do, and I'm not going to hurt myself by, you know, taking up more time doing things. And, and it, you have to make decisions. And I, I think sometimes we live – right, I'm going to talk about my favorite subject just for a minute. I'm going to talk about myself. Um so within the past week, I gave my full-time job my I, – I said we needed to speak about my exit strategy. And so I told them, I go, best-case scenario here in a couple months, I'll go part-time. I go, that's best-case scenario for you all. And I go, worst-case scenario, I'm going to leave. And I was just very upfront – because I finally made the decision to do this full-time. And here's the weird thing is – so uh, a week ago from when you and I are recording this, so eight days ago, seven days ago, whatever, um, I had a guy on, and I had told my wife that day that I was going to quit podcasting. I was going to hit uh, show 300 that's coming up, and then I was done. I was, I, I was doing too much. I was like when I would get off my job on Wednesday, I would have been up since like five Wednesday morning, do my job, get home like at six, work. We'll use just last week for an example. I worked till 5.30 in the morning on my shows. Went to sleep for an hour and a half when Bobby got up. My wife got up, and I went to sleep until she left. She woke me when she left. So I got an hour and a half sleep, and I worked till 2 o'clock in the morning. Then I got a few hours sleep and had to go to my regular job. So it hasn't been fair to me, my wife, my family. It hasn't been fair to anyone. 
And I keep wanting to say, well, my money, my benefits, that's where this is from. But I have to have faith in myself, and I have to just be able to say, it, it was funny. So to make a long story longer, the, the guest that I had on, he was one of my first guests. Afterwards, he was gushing about the show. And uh, I broke down. I mean, I just started bawling. In fact, I needed to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I didn't do this this time. I jump around. Um, about recording before <laughs> and after. Just because our uh, our chat afterwards was, our 10-minute chat afterwards was more impactful than the hour and a half that we recorded. I mean, just from a, like, from a, a real person standpoint. Like, we were talking about him and his career, and that's great, and people love that. But, like, the, probably the emotional part, because a lot of people go through shit, and they think I'm the mm -hmm. only one, I have to do it this way. And I broke down, mm -hmm. because, and then I finally decided, I was like, you know what? I've been thinking about this wrong. I've been making my passion secondary and making my the bane of my existence having to show up at a regular job that I I tolerate. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean that in a in a, an emotional and mental sense. I mean everyone sees the memes mm -hmm. of sitting in the car and not wanting to go in. So as soon as I made that decision that I was going to leave, and, and that's why I also gave them a couple months. I, that's technically I gave myself a couple months to, to get into this line of thinking. But um, it, it made me so happy. And, I mean, I'm nervous as shit. I mean, we're going to uh, be scrapping our, our, our benefits that we get working for a corporation and going out on our own. And hopefully we'll be able to incorporate that stuff at some point. But it, but I feel so much, I'm so happy when I, even when I talk about it, like right now I'm smiling. So, so long story long, I was just trying to say that you really have to take care of your mental health. And that's why when you said, Hey, it's just, I need to, cause that's what we were going to talk about taking care of your mental health. And you don't really, that wouldn't have made sense for you to be, just going through something and then trying to talk about, well, that's what you shouldn't do. I mean, so I, I, I totally, oh, yeah. hold on. <laughs> I applaud that. So yeah, that was great. Well, I love what you just said, the shoulds and the should nots. And, uh, Okay, we're back. We uh, lost Mitch just for a second. Uh, just to let people know, they're doing construction, like heavy construction, like a half a mile from our house. So uh, it, so sometimes I think it fudges with, and I don't know why I said fudges instead of fucks, but it will fuck with the, the connection. So I apologize <laughs> for that. So uh, you were about to say something right when we lost audio to you. Sorry. Um, I think I it was think about I was, something I was, that uh... I, I had said uh, about, uh, you know, taking care of your own mental health and this should and should not. Yeah. The should and the shouldn't. Um, do you mean to jump right in? Yeah. Am I, are we good recording? Yeah. Yeah. We're recording. Okay, cool. We're, we're back. So I, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, we're back. All right, cool. Yeah. So that was one of the first things that I had to realize when I started my mental health journey journey was, uh, the should and the should not. And, and that should and should not is a, you know, it's, it's a, an inner, an inner critic that's that's bullying you, right? And so if you're shooting yourself, then you're you're shitting on yourself, right? Right? And it, and it's funny because I created a job around shooting, telling people what they should and should not eat or what their lifestyle should or should not be, and and ultimately that came back from my experience of trying to bully my sickness or my illness 
that I was going through um, by, by forcing it and saying, ultimately, I don't have a choice when we, we always have a choice. That is, that is a textbook black or white thinking. It's something I've been, I've been working through. And so right. when we tell ourselves we don't have a choice, you know, we're, again, we're, we're bullying ourselves and beating ourselves up. And then another thing that I wanted to point out that you said earlier about the, uh, the coworker who didn't want to do the task or whatever it was right. that the boss was asking us, you know, we, we cave and we go against our, our impulse, our intuition, if you will, um, because of our conditioning that we grew up in. Cause maybe it's not okay to, um, to listen to our bodies. We, we, or listen to our own mind. We, uh, respond or depend on external resources to tell us what we should and shouldn't do. Right. And so you, just like you can, we condition people with how we, with how we show up or how we respond to, to, to what we're being told or instructed to do. So, um, it's just something to be aware of that, that it's, it's, that's what mental health is. It's understanding these habits, these behaviors that we have that aren't in alignment with who we really are. You could say our higher self or our true self. And it's understanding where did that come from? And then do I want to continue to believe that or do I want to create a new narrative from my adult self? Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah. I think listening to your body and yourself is so important. Like, so I weighed myself for the first time, or at least I recorded it for the first time in like 10 months. I, I'm pretty sure I haven't weighed myself in 10 months. Uh, I have uh, strange eating habits. I will go. So this is how strange they are. I want, uh, so uh, last week I ate breakfast, lunch, dinner, and breakfast the following morning. So I ate four meals in a row and Bobby, that just blew her away. She could not remember the last time I'd eaten four meals in a row. Because it's more, so you could count on dozens of hands how many times I've gone four days without eating as opposed to four meals in a row with eating. And um, But I, <laughs> I, I know my body. I, I, I am very in tune. I, I always say that I can tell you within a pound what I weigh. And so I haven't weighed myself since pretty much, <coughs> excuse me, Pretty much the beginning of last, uh, uh, I guess, last summer. I think it was the end of April, the last time I had recorded it down. And I was literally 0.8 pounds heavier now than I was then. And I'm going to attribute to that is I haven't been able to work out for about four weeks because of an injury. And so I'm going to add that that almost a whole pound. But, I mean, listening, not only listening to your body, I mean, like, and it's hard for me to to talk about some of these things because I'm not normal and I get that. Like most people, here's the thing. My, do, you, do you want to be normal? <laughs> no, not not in any way, shape, have or you, form. Have you looked Have you looked around and seen what normal is? <laughs> yeah, it, it's horrible. It, and and here's the thing is that so and I get it. It's so for my family to go on a road trip with me, it is a nightmare because they because I don't get hungry. So, I mean, it was not uncommon when I drive from Kansas City to Tampa, which is about 17 hours straight through, for me to not eat. I mean, I would get gas. Maybe I'd get a candy bar, but probably not. I mean, I just mm – -hmm. and so it would drive my family insane. They're like, we have to – everyone else eats in this world. But I also want to talk about on your mental health, because that's kind of physical health, listening to your body. I mean – 
I grew up in the. Well, it's all, it's all it's all connected. It's all connected. That's the thing. We want to separate the physical from the mental, from the spiritual, from the. I mean, it, we, right. it's all our body. We got a bunch of different bodies, and they're all connected. Yeah, but someone, but people will want to, like you say, they they are connected, but people want to differentiate. Like this is my physical being, so I can it, treat it different and take a, a different approach to it than my mental health. Because they, they see that as separate. And here's the thing with me. When people ask me, I'm very upfront. If they go, are you a good person? I'll say no. I mean, I am more comfortable being someone's villain. Not, not on purpose, but I'm okay with that. If I'm, uh, if I'm a villain in someone else's story, I'm okay with that because I'm never the villain in my story. And I know that. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, I mean, so, so like. what you're saying is you don't care. You're I, not really. Worried about what other people think about no, you? I, no. I, and here's the thing. I literally, it's not that I don't care. I don't even think about people thinking about me. So here's a for instance. Mm-hmm. So in Kansas City a few years ago when the Chiefs played the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, I'm from Tampa. So I would wear a lot of my Buccaneers stuff, which a lot of people would see the red and immediately think, oh, Chiefs. And then they'd be like, as soon as they saw the Buccaneers logo on there. And so I had made a comment to to a customer one day. And so about a week later, the, the, the general manager, the district, I think it was the, it was the district manager, came in and goes, hey, I heard what you said to a customer. And I go, you're going to have to be more explicit than that. I said <laughs> a lot of things. And he goes, about your shirt. And I go, oh, yeah. And so I, what I, the customer had said, I don't like your shirt. I go, well, it was the week before the Super Bowl. I go, if you don't like it this week, you're really not going to like it next week. And um, <laughs> and, and, and so, but it, it was funny because I, I, I had mentioned that to my wife that he had heard about it. And she goes, I wonder who he heard it from. And I like, don't, she goes, don't you ever think, like, who's telling these stories? Like, I, I never think about that. I always say, this is why I think I'm in a simulation because I've always just said I'm like Minecraft. The only thing that's going on in my world is what I can see. Like right now, you're a discombobulated voice. I know. I've seen a picture of you. I know what you look like. But right now, you're just a voice to me. I mean, you could have changed since that picture. It's just weird. I have a very – I don't expect anyone to are, – are you, are you able – what about empathy? Are you able to empathize with someone else? I mean, no. Uh, I mean, if I if I try, it's not natural for me. It's forced. Like with mm. my family, it's natural. With anyone else, I'm just like. I mean, so you oh you are able to empathize with people you care about. Yeah, but that's but th- not so much the people you don't care about. Yeah, that's like three people, mm, two and a half on most days. And the half goes back and forth. It's not one of our kids. It bounces back and forth who, who, who the two and a half people that I like. But, yeah, so for the most part, it's the, the family. But I don't – and I don't under – I one of the things I try to do in my life, at least for my sanity, is try to reconcile things. Just like – so here, here, here's one. that uh, So I would oh, – I'm not a car guy. Not, I don't give two shits about cars. It's, it's transportation mode. And uh, so when people would buy a car and they would take up two or three, four parking spaces, you know, parking their car so no one got near it and bumped it, I would always complain. I go, don't buy that car if you're not, I mean, if you can't just enjoy it without having to. 
So one day I was working and someone said something about the watch I was wearing. And I was like, oh, this is my beater watch. And they go, what is it? What do you mean by that? And I go, well, I wouldn't wear one of my good watches here because I don't want to hurt them. And when I started thinking about that comment, I started thinking about how I was the guy in the car that I was not using. Why did I have these watches if I wasn't going to wear them? I love watches. I, I, I'm not a smartwatch guy. I love a classic watch. Why? And so I started wearing it. If they got beat up, they got beat up. But that's called, wear, that's called life. I mean, in life, you get beat up. You get physically beat up. You get mentally beat up. So why can't a watch get beat up? And so I'm always trying to, to clear things. And, and I, I, my problem is when people will say something, and it's, it, and it's in 180-degree difference than kind of what they mean or right. what they it's propose. They're saying something from that's unconscious. Yeah. They're not aware of like, where it's coming from. Like so a lot of people of, like, like, like say you say you get angry at someone, you blow up at your wife. Is it really about your wife or is it about some other wound that you're tapping into at that moment that feels like it's your wife? Well, it, and I'm a little bit on that. I'm what, so there's a, sometimes I get, people that will want to try to call me out, which I think is funny because whatever. Uh, they'll try to call me out because I'm so confident in myself. And I'm like, chip away. I mean, tell me why I'm not as amazing as I think I am. And, there, and it's funny because there's this one, one person that uh, talks about they are very super religious. They will sing songs in public just so that people, I mean, that's their way they evangelize which is fine. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but sometimes they'll make comments that I think are directed in my direction. Don't give a shit. That's why I don't know whether they're actually in my direction about people that are overconfident or love themselves too much. And I always want to say, I'm pretty sure that uh, Jesus's greatest commandment was love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so if I love yeah. the fuck out of myself, then my neighbors are going to get... That's pretty good for them. I mean, why would I want a neighbor well, who's loving me like they love themselves? I, I've seen the way some of my neighbors love themselves, and it's not great. And not my actual neighbors. It's more of a metaphorical neighbor. But, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's like what we were kind of talking about before we hopped on is like to, to – and that's why I did that post for Valentine's Day, right? To To be able to extend love to someone else, we have to first love ourselves. And if you can't, if you don't love yourself, you can't extend that to somebody else. So I can can see it from that point of, you know, I I think really highly of myself and I love myself and I can, and I can, I'm confident about myself and I can extend that to someone else. I mean, and I, because I say it all the time, I have flaws. And if people would just find them or identify them or want to speak about them, then and I'll, because I mention my flaws all, all the time. I mean, God, if you ask Bobby after 28 years, list Rodney's flaws, it would sound like a machine gun going off. I mean, it would just be one. And, and I know that and I'm fine with it. And I, and here's another thing I'll tell people because they're like, oh, you think so highly of yourself. But uh, I had someone tell me that I was, uh, I was high maintenance at work. And I think that was just because I, I, I'm i not a yes-no type of, you know, oh, well, I did it this way. Why? Because it's a better way to do it. 
don't fight me because uh, then they want to fight on an idea. Well, that wasn't my uh, idea, so you should have done it this way. But is this a better way? Yes. Okay, we shouldn't be having – I'm not going to argue. I use this phrase all the time. I don't know where I heard it, but uh, bees do not waste time explaining to flies why honey tastes better than shit. I will just walk away. I mean, and, and that's how I and that's how I am in relationships. Unfortunately, is I can just uh, once again, if you're not in front of me, you're not around. It's like Schrodinger's cat. I mean, you're in that box. I don't know whether you're dead or alive. You're just not around. So I can walk away, and it just I don't have attachments. I don't have feelings. I don't. There's. I mean, it, it, and that's not. I don't want anyone else. Uh, Actually, I think everyone else should live like me for a few days because it is great. To be ultra confident, when you walk in a room, once again, a lot of this I have not done myself. I may have cultivated it, worked on it. But being 6'5", you walk into a room, people people notice you. You're a head taller than almost everyone else in the room. And so I take pride in, because I already know that I'm going to be noticed when I walk into a room, that I take pride in what I look like when I walk into the room. Because I want to make a presence in there. Because it also reads, I love going to church with my wife, because we go to a church that seats about 3,000 people in the service. And right now, post-COVID, we're probably back up to about 2,000 at a service. And I will walk in there and be often the only person even including the pastor who's wearing a suit. No one wears suits anymore. And I can see other women look at me and then they look at their husband because their husbands have clothes like I do. I'm almost assured of it where we live in the affluent suburbs that we live in. But it takes time and effort to do things, just like it takes time and effort in your in your life to, to cultivate good physical health, good mental health, uh, mental well-being. It, it does take time, and you do have to work on it. And like I say, I am not a model. Like, after the whole January 6th thing, people were calling out some people because they're like uh, like Senator Josh Hawley. They go, he doesn't have any shame because of something I forget. It, whatever it was, but they, they were saying Josh Hawley didn't have any shame. And for me, I was like, you can't for shame is something you feel that's something you internalize so if you're at like if you don't feel shame and what you I, I don't think i've i cannot recall a time in my life that i have felt shame that is just something that i'm absent or it's something that i did not identify as shame i'm just like why would i i mean i'm who i am well you said something mean okay don't you feel ashamed for what you said? No, I do not. I'm smart enough mm-hmm. to have not have said it beforehand. So so it, it it is very nice from my perspective because I don't have the weight of the world on me. I, I'm not worried about what other people think about me. I'm not worried about, you know, sometimes when I dress, if I wear something new, my, my wife will be like, oh, what do you think the people will say? I go, they don't know this is what I Normal. Like, if I wear a bow tie, like, I wear a bow tie every once in a while because I don't want to be a bow tie guy. Like, if you wear it more than once a month, then people expect you to be, where's your bow tie? So, um, but people, Bobby would always be like, well, you know, people, what are the, they'll think, you know, I, I don't give a shit. I mean, the people I don't know, 
they don't know if I wear a bow tie every day or not. So they're just going to see me. There's a guy wearing a bow tie. That's weird. And then I, the people that do know me, they know I wear a bow tie. I mean, I don't know why I'm why I should take what someone else thinks into account. Oh, hold on. This may be a story. So, so this is how early it started. Uh, my mom reiterated this story when she was teaching a class on how to love the strong-willed child, which was me. And um, so when oh, she wow. when she first was allowing me to dress myself for school, whatever age that was, five, six, whatever, the first attempts of me, yes, I want to dress myself. And I came out, and my mom said, I told him, you cannot wear those pants and that shirt together. And I said, why? And she goes, you can't wear two different types of plaid. They don't match. And I go, but these are warm, comfortable pants, and this is a warm, comfortable shirt. So they do match. And I remember the look on my mom's face because she was like, okay. I mean, because the, she was looking at it from her perspective. I didn't need to look at If I would have listened to her perspective, I would have probably gone to school and been cold and uncomfortable. How did it make you feel whenever she said you can't wear that? Uh, you know, and I grew up like that because Bobby, when we first got together, we've been together 28 years now, Bobby would, an often phrase uttered from her would be, doesn't that bother you that your parents do that? I'm like, no. I, I mean, I grew up that way. I mean, I just, I grew up always being blamed for everything because, hmm. because my attitude for things was light and uncaring, like, if we lost a basketball game and I played well and we played well as a team, I I wasn't overly concerned. I mean, if we played like shit, then I would be upset. But if we play, and I remember a coach got mad. He went off on me because I was like whistling on a bus trip home when we had lost to a rival school by like one or two points. But we would played an amazing game. I mean, I just, uh, I don't understand. I'm not going to... I'm going to accept the world and see it and process it the way I want to. And I try the hardest not to let outside forces influence how I feel. Like, I, someone else can't make me feel bad. I have to have done something that's going to make me feel bad. There's not something that someone can say. And then I'll be like, oh, shoot, I, I should have felt bad about that. I do now. That just that's not mm -hmm. That's not how it is with me. And so that's why... Sometimes I wish that people, I know that my wife worries about our grown kids all the time. And I don't. I mean, I just, I, I, I send them texts. We talk. Uh, our oldest, she'll, I couldn't tell you when I saw them last. Maybe two weeks ago. They live here in town. I mean, 30 minutes away or whatever. But they'll come by today. So I'll say, I mean, that's just, that's just how I, I mean, I don't need, they don't need to worry about me. I don't need to worry about them. If, if there's something I need to worry about, let me know and I'll worry about it for you. So I, I don't know. I'm different. No one needs to live their life like I do. I, I take that back. Everyone should live their life like I do, but it, it would be a, a marked change. I, I know that it, it's, it's very hard for Bobby to understand when she's feeling an emotion and I'm devoid. So we actually had this talk. So here, we'll even go deep is that um, in between our first child and our second child, uh, Bobby, uh, we experienced a couple of miscarriages. And I say we, but it was, see, uh -huh. to me, it was just, okay, 
I mean, and that was probably my response when Bobby said that she had miscarried. And it wasn't for, I just didn't know her feelings and her attachment. It took until our kids were grown. I think I saw it on a TV show and I'm like, and I, this is probably how I ask it. Was I supposed to be more caring and empathetic during that time? And she was like, no, I, I know how you are. And I mean, so we then we talked about it. But, like, to me, it just, you know, there was no baby bump. There was no, I mean, to, to me, it was more of a concept. Like, I have this concept that someday I will be one of the biggest podcasters ever. Uh, now that I'm 300 episodes in, I'm starting to wonder when that's going to hit. But you know what? There's always tomorrow. There's always this episode that puts us on the map. Um, but you know, I, it just, I, I have these feelings that I'm not going to let someone else, if they don't think that I can do something or I, I'm not a big Deion Sanders fan, uh, as a coach. But a lot of the stuff he says about confidence, and I think one of the things he goes, don't let my confidence offend your insecurities. Like, don't try to voice, mm -hmm. like, well, you shouldn't be so confident about yourself. Okay, give me a look. Why should I not be? I'm 6'5". I'm wearing a suit. I look good. I smell good. I know I'm doing James Brown. I dance good. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, and if you say, well, you're too tall. Okay, well, yeah. Well, you, well, I was going to put you on a submarine. You're right. I am too tall for that. So that would be, I mean, just, I know that I can be taken back a peg. You just got to find the pegs to take me back. And that's, ugh, I know how that sounds when it comes out. It sounds very narcissistic, but I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but here's the thing is, I mean, all someone has to do is say, oh, well, you're not all that. And then have reasons why. Like, when I say I'm all that, people are like, why? And I'll do that. I'll be like, well, I'm 6'5". I notice when I come in, I dress the part. When I'm standing there with uh, the, the, the guys that I work with, two of them are owners. Even if it's just the three of us. If a customer comes at it up and doesn't know who the owner is, they always turn to me and they address me. 100% of the time. Mm. And I don't know if it's, I, I mean, there's a confidence too. Like there's someone that I work with who's low on confidence and I keep trying to tell them that you're expecting to get confidence from other people. You need to have that confidence yourself. Find it, find, find out why, why you should be confident. I mean, I know it's six foot five. That puts me in the like top 0.2% in height. So I know that almost everywhere I go, I'm going to be the tallest guy there. I know at Bobby at six one that puts her in the top like point one percent or even like lack. So when we walk into a place, I know we get attention, and because I'm aware of that, I take advantage and put ourselves in a position. And I know a lot of that may sound narcissistic, but it's also putting us in a position to succeed in the positions that we go into. Or I I, I don't know. I I do understand that my confidence comes out as narcissism may come out as narcissism a lot, but I am very well aware of all the flaws that I have. Okay, that made it sound like there were a lot. <laughs> Just kidding. So hold on. Here's what I hear from you right now. So what do you th what do you think? Like, if, just hearing me talk, what's your mental assessment of my well-being or do you do that to other i mean 
I let everyone else. Do uh, it. No, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a therapist, bro. <laughs> I know. But uh, I mean, like I say, I'm just. I'm confident in who I am. I mean, I know I'm a. Like, if, if people started doing, see, that's what they, they just don't know the right comebacks. I, I, and I'm just going to tell them they're not smart enough to know the right comebacks. It's one of the nice things about identifying a high IQ. They're generally very quick-witted or quick with their responses. And so a lot of these people can't come up with those responses. But, you know, they have to point out that I'm 56 and I don't have that many summers left. Uh, I'm well aware of my mm. agedness that I'm having at this point. Um you know, I I have these talks with our oldest Mo. She is getting her PhD in behavioral something or other. I know I should know what the exact title is for our daughter getting her PhD, but I don't. Uh, but she quizzes me about my mental well-being, like why I think the way I do. Uh, I I was never identified as being on the spectrum when I I was young, but I would almost hazard to guess because i always say listen to what people say and they'll tell you exactly who they are and if you look at many of the um the symptoms of or the the characteristics of like asperger's is that everything i've always said like i'm just like i you know i used to always say well i just ask a question i don't care what the answer is i just want to know what the thought process was to get to the answer I mean, just th those sort of disconnects where I just, I don't have, my feelings aren't very involved, which is weird because like I say to my family, they're extremely involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we can yeah. change the subject. I know that I kind of went on. So I, like I say, I, I don't know. I, I understand my, uh, I guess I don't. I don't know. And that's why talking, I see, I feel like I, I just sound worse when I'm talking out loud because then like a whole bunch of people can hear this and they can make a decision, which once again, I don't care, uh, as opposed to when it's one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, let's see. So what is the best thing to do if you find yourself needing to cultivate self-love? What's the first step? In your opinion, awareness. awareness. I think awareness is the first step. So is there? So yeah, we gotta observe. Well, I'm just gonna say one of the hard things for for someone like I'll hear someone go, "Oh, well, you need to um, be aware to do this." And the problem is, it's not like they, so now you're asking them to do a, an extra step. So because now they have to identify that that problem. So how do they put that themselves in a position to be aware, self-aware of what's going on? Um, I think it's just a paying attention to, you know, thoughts and behaviors and emotions uh, that we're dealing with. And maybe the ones that don't feel as wanted as the other ones. So or even uh, starting like a lot of times when I have clients that aren't you know, we're getting started with health coaching and they don't know what they want. We start with what they don't want. Right. And then we just do, it's really simple. We just do the opposite of that. Cause a lot of people I do show up and they're like, I, I really, I don't know what I want. I know that I need some help, but I don't know what that is. And I always say, I can't get you there if I don't know what that looks like. Right. I don't know if I, if that's a, that's a particular situation that is something I can handle. But so we have to kind of 
maybe they're not ready to, to talk with me, but we may try to do that on a call. It's like, well, what don't you want? And people can usually rattle that off a lot quicker than what they want sometimes. And, right. and that may be a place to start. So it's just observing the self. And that may be sitting quiet with yourself and listening to your thoughts or just watching your behavior and what you're thinking and how you're responding to whatever situation or environment that you're in and, and picking and choosing what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. You know, and as you mentioned, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about last week as I was processing, I had to figure out what I wanted because what I knew what I didn't want. And I'd been living with that for a couple of years as I do this podcast. I didn't want a full-time job other than podcasting. I didn't want to do that. If I'm doing this as a, have a full-time job, I'm doing that. I didn't want it taking up my, my days off. I mean, I was working more on my days off than I was. And so I knew all these things that I didn't want. And as you're saying that it, it started popping that as soon as I made this decision, it was, what do I want? Well, I want to be able to spend more time with my wife and family. Well, how do I do that? Well, I need to separate these, and, and that's what I had to make the decision at that point. Do I want to be a podcaster or do I want to do sales? Because I was finding out that for me, both mentally and physically, it was draining, and for the people around me as well. I know that it wasn't fun for Bobby when she sits on a couch as we watch a movie and I'm sitting at the desk writing notes for a show that I have to record the next day or later that night after mm -hmm. she goes to sleep. Uh, so I, I think that is wonderful advice because I do think I'm self-aware in a lot of things, but sometimes on those major things, that's why you need to talk to other people, hear other people, and, and get it vetted out because I didn't really think about it. I mean, I, I think I got to that point on my own last week, but it's exactly what you say. And if someone would have told me that earlier, if you would have told me this a year ago, it would have been real helpful, Mitch. So thanks a lot. <laughs> well that that's why working with a coach is is beneficial for people is because you know we're so zoomed up we're zoomed in on our experience that we can't see the the full picture right and so a lot of times when i'm with clients you know we set a goal we get clear on what we want and we decide on some actions that uh are low-hanging fruit i'm always going to meet people where they're at and uh customize a plan so so it's not a quantum leap. Uh, so it's not some impossible feat of going from something where they're at to this huge thing. It's, it's small steps at a time. And it's just going, hey, you told me you wanted this thing, and this is what I see you doing. And a lot of times they're not aware of it. Right. You just said this. You just said that. And it's just those are the hints that, that let us um, go deeper in and explore that for ourselves. Is that, does the, so are, is it listen to what people say? Cause they'll tell you exactly who they are or what they need or what they're looking for. Cause that's what I always say. Um, you I know, mean, my clients always tell me that's, I, I know now. So when I started doing my, like my, when I started doing my mental health stuff, it's not that I changed how I coach, but it shifted. So instead of me telling them here, here's what you need to do. And a lot of times, maybe that's coming from my own experience. Right. And now it's like, hey, you said this, and this is where you're at, and and uh, this is what you think you need right now, and I follow that intention because I don't. What I want doesn't matter. Right. What they want is what matters, and that's what they hired me to help them 
you know, shine a light in the dark room and see what's there, and we get to decide what stays and what doesn't. Right. Right, but if you can't see it, you know, the, if we've been in, we've just been in the dark room forever, um, that's fine, and that's where most people start. But sometimes it takes a third party, someone who's non-biased, who's um, able to, to help help you shine that flashlight a little bit. So let me ask you this, because we just saw a Bobby and I just watched some documentary uh, and and they were a, uh, a part of it was a therapist and it had to do with uh, child abuse and some other things like that. Um, but the, it also came out this person had ruined some marriages. So it was group counseling at first and they separated the husbands and the wives. And then the therapist was telling them different things and it, to like literally break them apart. Do you, it, so I know that's an extreme case and a legal case and a whole bunch of other things, but how is it start? Do you ever have to check yourself on a client? Like the, the more time you, you spend with a client, do you start getting enveloped? How are you able to keep your distance? I guess is what I'm saying and not get enveloped into there where you start having a limited view like they did before they came to you. Or, or, or am I, um, am I speaking to them from a, hmm, from like a, 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 one of my own wounds? You right. know what I mean? Am I right. giving yes. them advice that that's not, that's, that's mine. It's not theirs. Right. That's like, that's called, uh, I think that's called enmeshment. So now, uh, the line between you and I are, are blurry and I'm triggered and I am responding to that hurt right. versus I, what's that called? That's uh, instead of having compassion, compassion, what I, I write that on the, my paper whenever, or, uh, whenever I'm doing an interview or whenever I'm talking to a client and I'll say, instead of sympathy, sympathy pulls me into their world and right. allows me to feel where they're at. And instead I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to be up here in compassion and you can come meet me. Right. So you're you're trying that, to draw I, I can, them to I can, your. The, I can be. You're drawing them I can out be of the empathetic. circle. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can be empathetic and I can understand where they're at, and that's why I'm capable of helping them. And we've already established that before the relationship started. But if I show up and I'm going to get sympathetic and I'm going to get come down to their emotional vibration that's lower, well, then I'm I've just hurt both of us. Right. I'm not helping. I, I'm, I want to say, hey, I understand where you're at, you know, and I can be compassionate. I can understand. I can understand that. And here's what I see. And here is a, uh, almost like offering them a hand, like, hey, come out of the hole. Right. And here's how we can start to do that. Instead of them and it's drawing usually, you again, into the hole. Again, you're, you're not going to, yeah, so, and, and we're not going to jump from sympathy. If say they're in like uh, fear or sadness, you know, if you look at uh, Stephen Hawkins, I've been doing a, looking at a lot, this a lot, like power versus force, and it's just the emotional uh, scale that humans have, and there's a lower vibration and higher vibrations. And, you know, if we're at anger, we can't hop into love. Right. You know, we've got to go through pride and then courage and then neutrality and then um, willingness and allowance, and then you can get to love. And that's a journey, and that's not going to happen all at once. But it's understanding that our emotions are our internal compass that let us know, are we flowing towards what we want? Or are we going away from what we want? If I feel gross, I'm going upstream, and we know that's hard to do. 
But if I'm if I'm feeling good, that's an indication that I'm going in the right direction. Right. Towards what I want. I'm just writing down. I, I've come up with the uh, title of this show. It's going to be Story Short. I'm a narcissist. Will be the name of it. So it was funny because I, as we were talking and I was, I was listening. I always say, listen to what people say. They'll tell you exactly who they are. And one of the things that I wrote down on uh, the sheet of paper, um, I don't know. One of the original notes was, I always look like a narcissist. So I'm gonna assume, like, if I always look like I'm six five, I'm six five. If I always look like I'm bald, I'm bald. If I always look like, an, if I always, so I'm, <clears throat> so I'm going to stop saying people, I don't give a shit if people think I'm a narcissist or not. I don't think so. Bobby doesn't think so. And that's, I guess that's, that's the only two people I care about really. I mean, honestly, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it is a journey though. I mean, it, and that's what I don't think. I think well, do, this, you, do you want to be a narcissist? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you do you like that? Do you want to be that? Because that's what matters. Yeah. Well, I, see, I don't give a shit. I mean, I because I literally don't care. People think I'm like, I'm like, I'm not a narcissist just because I'm better than you. I mean, come on. We, we can have we can have narcissistic tendencies. Our society is narcissistic. Right. Just like look at social media. Right. Look yeah. at me. Look at me. But does that mean that we are full blown? Uh, what's it called? Um, uh, it's covert and overt narcissism, right? right? Are, are we a, a malignant narcissist where we actually want to hurt people? Or do we think a lot of ourselves and we have those tendencies? And that's that's not for me to decide. No. You know, so, but that's just a question of like... So here's like, how you... I see it. I do not... Uh, uh, my narcissism, because I've heard of people that have been narcissistic relationships and how much they hurt because of manipulation and things like that. Now, I 100% have those tendencies, and that's why I always say I would be a great cult leader. I just don't have that desire to use those tendencies. I mean, I really don't. Um, right. But I, I, I do. No, and, and here's the thing, because when I say this, people get mad when I say this, but they never counter me. When I'm in a room, I am the best fucking person in that room. End of story. Doesn't matter who's in that fucking room with me. I am the best goddamn person in that room. And when people go, oh, my God, you're such an art. You're not telling me that I'm not the best goddamn person. Tell me why I'm not the best person. And I will I will have that discussion with you. And if you're right, I will say you're right. I One of the great things about being a, a, a genius is we know how much stuff we don't know. We literally know how wrong we are at a lot of things. There is so much information we know, but there is so much we don't know. And that's where I have a problem. Like if I say I'm this and you say, well, no, you're not, tell me why I'm not. Like if I say I'm 6'5 and someone says, no, you're not, let's pull out a tape measure. A lot of times I'll have a, a, a conversation with someone. Once again, back to the fly, uh, the bee, honey, shit thing. But I'll tell them, I don't want to have this conversation with you here. How about this? 
what high IQ society are you a member of? Because most of them have internal like forums where you can talk to other members. What are you a part of? Which one are you a part of? Uh, if I'm not a member of that already, I'll join it and we can have the discussion there. And if you're not a member of any, join a high IQ society. If I'm not a member, I'll join it and we'll have the discussion. Because all I'm trying to say is if you think you're as smart as I am, fucking prove it. Do it. Let. I have no problem. I have said this all my life, and I... And I always say it the same way when I talk about this. To this point in my life, I have never lost the game of Trivial Pursuit. I know <laughs> 100% I will lose one one day. Bobby always talks about me getting on Jeopardy. Uh, the reason I don't is because I will have hubris with my thumb trying to click in too fast. And I'll fuck. that's how I'll end up fucking myself. Not that I don't know the answers. It's that I'm... I'm too quick. I think I know what the question will be before. What a, or I, in Jeopardy's case, I would know what the answer was before I could formulate the question. But that, but that's my thing. When when people say I'm a narcissist, they just don't ever want to counter me. They don't want to say, "Well, you're not," or, or "You're not all that you." Think. I mean, I, I, the, only, the only thing that I can talk about is me, right? Like, right. I, I, I can't diagnose or talk about you. And I would say I'm the exact opposite. Right. Like I, I am really good at what I do. Right. Um, and I know that there's people that are better and I'm constantly wanting to learn and grow. Right. And uh, I'm also extremely emotional. Yeah. Um, you know, and I and I and I love that about me. Yeah. And uh, people are different. And it's it's really just uh, I mean, understanding that yeah. we don't all have to be the same. Well, and if you're happy with with who you are, then that's all that matters. So, and here's also, but if you're as long as you're not hurting people, you know yeah. what I mean. If you're not hurting people, then I think you're fine. Well, and sometimes, see, and I don't think that I am. Sometimes the, people will think because I said something to someone that may come off as mean, that, but there's a reason that I said something. Like if I say someone. If I, if I comment on them being low IQ, someone may have heard me say that and go, well, that's not nice of you to say. That's mean of you to say to them. But the person I said it about will consistently as a 30-year-old, over 30 years old, talk about how their mental and physical capabilities are that of a five-year-old. So they will constantly say, they are, that, at least they're that self-aware, they'll constantly say that. But if I say something about their, then, you know, I'm the mean. So I don't ever think it's mean. Here's the thing about me. If you ever want to see me with a tail between my legs, head down, being not submissive, but knowing my place is within the high IQ society. So, like, for Mensa, you have to be at a 132 to get it. I'm at a 136. So that is the very, like, I'm barely in. Like, they, I barely got, it's like on a subway train. I, I'm barely inside the doors when they shut. So most of the people that I talk to in these high IQ societies actually have a, high, a, a higher IQ than I do. And I find myself deferring to them. I am not the cocky, confident, because I know who my audience is. I know that I, because of however we're engaging, that I am not on the same level as them. But I also know that when I'm out in the real world that – most of the people that I run into contact with are not going to be on the same level as me. And that, and for me, that's hard. We talk about this in the high IQ societies all the time about the, the different mental challenges that we do. Uh, there's a reason that there's a saying called nobody likes a know-it-all. 
because they really don't. Mm. I mean, if you have the answers to everyone, people may like that. And if they need to phone a friend for an answer, then you may be that friend. But for the most part, they do, people don't like being around someone that is just full of knowledge. And then it's also difficult because you're always talking down. And if you think about the dumbest person that you know, the least intelligent, not streets, nothing about them yet. You want to be away from them if any like big decisions need to be made for safety reasons. You just want to be away from them. That's, that's how it is. I mean, I always talk about my IQ. So, so I got a question. Sure. So instead of talking down, why not lift them up? Because you can't. That, that is, that's not, it's not possible. And I know that sounds... Because there's a belief that... No, no, no. What's the belief underneath that, that people can't change? Uh, no. Or they can't they're just put, not smart. It, it's not, they're not smart enough. They, we don't think alike. We don't... It, it not, so it's deviation. So in IQ, you have deviations. Uh, typically, you can't be more than one deviation apart from someone uh, to be able to carry on a conversation. So... Um, it, so my IQ is 136. And if you take the best reports for the U.S., the average IQ in the United States is 103. So I am 33 points higher than the average person in the United States, which you have to remember, mm -hmm. half the people are below that. So if you go, if you take the average person in the United States and you subtract 33 points from them, they would be at 70 which is mentally handicapped, disability, uh, disabled, uh, old-time retarded, mm. whatever you want to term it. So, I, th so an average person to me is the same as someone that has learning disabilities. And that's what, that's what people don't understand. They're like, well, I'm average. You can talk to me. No, I can't because you're – and it's just like going the other way. When I, if I talk to someone that's a 143, I – I, I just I don't know what I I can I can talk to them and I can high level but I mean it, it, as you go up in IQ it gets exponentially where our our youngest uh, Trinity they're a 141 and I have trouble talking to them sometimes I mean it's just it's just weird it's just the way information gets processed because we talk about in the in the society in our groups uh, we talk about looking for therapists. Because one of the things that we think that you need to find is a genius, a therapist who's a genius to be able to treat a mm. genius. Because the way we process information is just different. I guarantee if you take an average person and go write down uh, uh, the number 13, most people will write down one and three. If you ask a genius, can you write down the number 13? You'll get 10, 20 ways to write down 13. You'll get it written mm. in... And, uh, yeah, I got I got one, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but it's like, oh, 13, that's 13. It's 12 plus one. It's 11 plus two. It's 10 plus three. I mean, we'll give it, you know, so in that. It, but that's just the way our minds process information. It's just different. They always say that you could give um, that 10 very, very smart people can't do what one genius can. They just cannot. They we make a jump at some point where we disregard everything that most people are factoring into a decision, we'll disregard that as junk 
and we'll make a decision. So it, j- it looks like, because mm. most people can't make that decision. Uh, here's an instance. I mm. know I've mentioned on the podcast before. I used to work part-time at uh, Golfsmith when that used to be around. And at lunch from my regular job, a lot of times I drive up during golf season and hit balls at lunch in their bays. One day I walked in and literally all the employees were standing there looking at this wall. And this wall had uh, these big glass, uh, it's probably was 30 glass cubes that held golf hats in it, like, you know, to wear out on the course. And um, they sat on top of these wood wood boxes uh, and they needed to move them to the right, like three quarters of, of the length of one of these wood boxes. And so they were standing there and I walked in, I'm like, it just looked weird. I go, what are you guys doing? And they're like, first they want to mock you. Oh, the genius is here. Let's ask him. I was like, what's going on? They go, well, we need to move this to the right, but the, we can't get it to move. The boxes have dug down into the carpet. They've embedded in the carpet. They said that the, they go, the glass moves on top of the wood, but we can't get the wood to move. Like every time we try to push it, the glass will move. I go, well, do we have more wood boxes in the back? They're like, yeah. I go, go get them, bring them out, put them to the left. And they go, we need to go to the right. I go, I know. I go, put them to the left. So they brought them out, put them to the left. I go, slide that over there. They did. I go, move the boxes where you need to, and now slide the shit back. And they moved it. And they said, they go, we had been looking at that wall for two hours and couldn't come up with how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and after it said, people were like, oh, I should have known that. Well, you you don't because that's not you don't process that. Oh, I can go to the left. I have to go to the right. So all they're thinking about is going to the right. And sometimes do, do you to go think, right, you have to like, go left. Do you think uh, that geniuses are able to make quicker decisions because of the emotions? Are all geniuses lacking emotional capacity, or is that most I, are? I'm curious. I I, I would is say that, that that's the I would say that that gets in the way of most people making uh, the junk, as you said, like around the decision is the emotion. So here's the problem with most geniuses. And I tell this to them all the time. Um, I'll see younger people in this society and they'll post something to a forum and they'll be like, uh, so a lot of them love uh, my podcast with Bobby, the longest one I stand with Bobby and wrote because they want to know how I, they actually are more interested in Bobby than they are me. Cause they're like, we know you, you're one of us. They go, how did you find someone that can put up with you? And so they love, but I tell them a lot of times you're looking for the wrong, like I was lucky. I met Bobby the way you used to meet girls. I met her drunk at a bar. Okay. So that's, but I, that's not where I, that just happened to be God stepping in and saying, you need to be with this girl. Uh, I'm going to make it happen. Go. And, um, but so a lot of these geniuses, is it it like that, but the, uh, the drunkenness is lowering inhibitions. So are you more, Uh, I wasn't drinking. She was. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I'm not a drinker. She she had been drinking that night. I hadn't. We know. We know you like the weed. Yeah, I do. I, it, but I had. A, I wasn't a smoker back then. This was still. I didn't start smoking until 2014. Yeah. So it was 18 years in before I started doing that. But, um, so they're very interested in that. But I tell them you can't. So a lot of people, like you can go on, um, there's a 60 Minutes. I think it's 60 Minutes does a thing on Mensa. 
And a lot of the people that they interview, if you listen to what they say, you can find this on YouTube, they'll say that they went there to meet people of like, that's why I'm there. Because I can, mm. it is fun. So here's a for instance. So sometimes I just like to throw a smoke grenade in the house and see what happens. So I decided <laughs> one day on, a, on an open forum, I posted, bored today, thinking of building wings, flying to the sun. Does anyone have any suggestions? So this is the story of Icarus building uh, wings of wax, flying out of prison, getting too close to the sun. They melt and they fall into prison. So while if I posted that to, to Facebook, you'd go, ha, ha, ha. Maybe someone would be like, oh, the story of Icarus, and that's about it. The responses I got from this was I had a response. If I would have printed it off, it would have been multiple pages. He was, he was describing... <laughs> He was describing the different types of waxes that I could use and at what temperature they would melt and what type of wood. That, so that is, but it's fun because, because that's, that's how we interact. And so this video was funny because it was talking about how people would go to meet people and they were showing mm. couples, but a lot of times you'll just go to meet people so that you can breathe. Cause if you think about yourself, how mm. many of you always had to talk to a four-year-old? where they kind of know what they're saying, but they don't really know all the meanings of what they're saying. You know, you're getting to that. That's how it is for us. And sometimes we just want to talk to adults. So I guess the best way to term a, a, uh, a genius would be like a kindergarten teacher. That sometimes that's, mm -hmm. that's our day is spent with kindergartners, and sometimes we just want to spend time with adults. But I tell these people I, all the I time. I can get that. Look, look at. I was saying, I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. Um, I, I was saying like I can get that because if I'm always, my wife is not into health. Right. I mean, she's healthy for sure, but she's not doesn't want to talk about it like I do. Whenever my friends are around, that's why I think it's important. What I'm hearing is it's important to be around people that yes. are that are like you that you can communicate with and share with. And if it, I came home every day and my wife wanted to talk quantum physics and uh, and emotional health and and nutrition, then I would throw up. You right. Know? So, but I think the uh, one of the biggest things is um, not being able to know, but putting yourself in a position like don't. I always told these people when they were looking for something, you're trying to force yourself it, you, a, a square peg into a round hole. Like you're trying to go to bars and you think that that you're gonna find a genius at a bar. I just got super lucky, right. you know. I just got yeah. I, I just it 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 you know. We all know it was the longest one night stand. And so it wasn't about I, I wasn't like going up to her and, and quizzing her on her knowledge of Stephen Hawking's writings and then going, yes, I think I will take you home. tonight." I walked in. I took a six foot one blonde. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yes, please. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think it's very important to know that you have to be able to put yourself in that position because you will be unhappy. Now, can you be temporarily? Yeah, you can be temporarily happy and you can enjoy like I and but as a genius, I will say that if I go to something that is too too much uh parties and things like that, that after a short while I'll wanna leave. Because then it gets I, I just get overwhelmed with hearing literally stupid shit. And instead of correcting yeah. all these people, it's just easier and better for my mental health to go away. And, yeah. and that's one reason that yeah, I, lo yeah. I love Bobby so much is that she knows that if I say, 
hey, you stay, I'm going to take off, I'll come back and pick you up or whatever. She's okay. She's not upset that I want to, because she knows that ultimately a lot of couples would say, well, I want you to stay, you know, or feel like they need to stay. And then one or both of them are not as happy as they could be. Bobby and I are, Mm -hmm. have always been on the same page that I understand you want to go out with your friend. That's fine. I'll, I'll go out. I can take you there. I may stay a short while. I may stay, but I don't want to be in a place that I'm not enjoying and you don't want me to be in a place I'm not enjoying because ultimately that would be a place that you're not enjoying. So it's also being, that's, 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 that's what mental health is, man, is being able to discern who we want to be around. And instead of overriding, Hey, I'm not enjoying being in this environment and I'm just going to stay here and feel like shit. And then yell at my wife when I get home, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to excuse myself. And you sound like you guys have a relationship where that makes sense and that's understood and it's better for both of you. Yeah. I mean, we've always had, I would hear other couples that, uh, so I used to play back when I played basketball, I'd play two or three times a week uh, in the evenings. And I remember there was a guy that when I would invite him, he would always be like, well, I got to see what my wife wants to trade me for. And I'd be like, what does that mean? He goes, well, if I do something, (laughs) then she gets to do something. And I'm like, So even if she doesn't have anything planned, just because you're doing something, she's going to create something to do. Cause that feels gross. That feels, that feels like, uh, like being a slave or or imprisonment or something like that. That feels gross. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've the, the only, like when I, like if someone asked me to do something, I will call Bobby, but it's out of consideration, uh, twofold to see if she, Needed me to do something at whatever time I like if, if or most likely at this age, I probably forgot, you know, she probably said, oh, we're going to do this. And I would. So that's the reason I'm calling not to ask permission, because if we don't have anything going on, Bobby's not going to judge. Go do what you need. Go, go, go take, you know, and so it, it, that's what I've loved about Bobby is that it is so amazing that uh that this relationship, I mean, we're 28 years in and I I've said that the, if I could time travel to one point in time, I literally want to go back to the night that I met Bobby because if I knew 12 hours after I met her, that I would want to marry her that I, I, cause now I love her even more. And so I'm trying to figure out what happened that night. I feel like she may have drugged me. I don't know that. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that it was crim, a criminal act. And, and I'm very happy 28 years later, but it just, I had never been like that. I literally had never been like that with a girl. I was, I was, uh, I was quite the, I was a whore. I mean, Bobby and I have talked about the, my, my body counts is, uh, was up there. And so for me to, and that's why none of my friends and my family thought that Bobby and I would last is because, uh, because they knew, they knew my history to her. But they didn't know her. They didn't know whatever changed that night that I met her. Uh, it was it was pretty freaking awesome. So I, that's the, you know, I guess there's a few that's things it. in time I'd like to see. But if I had a time machine, that would be the one night because that we got put the the universe, God, whomever they put us at that bar at the same time, and I'm kind of happy for that. So uh, yeah, I know, so many I, people don't get to experience that. I know. And it is, uh, it, and I think that we actually have problems with, um, 
with other couples because of that, because of ours. I mean, we're still, we see the number 69. Like yesterday, at one point it was 69 degrees. So a screenshot of my phone, I sent it to my wife. You know, it's not like, oh, what is this screenshot? She knows. It's either going to say it's 420 or it's 69 or best case scenario, it's 69 at 420. So she, she yeah, knows that. The, my wife. My wife would expect nothing less from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we have that, and it's great. But you know, it, it, a lot of the mental health is I th- I think that relationships are not easy in any way, shape, or form. But they're mm-hmm. easier when you're with the right person. Um, and I know that. Yeah, and you can, and they under they understand you, and it all comes down to communication. It sounds like that's something that you guys have have developed over the years, right? Yeah. Yes. And by communication, she she knows when to walk away from me. If that's what you mean by communication, yes, we know how to communicate. Yeah, well, and you know when to walk away from a situation that makes you feel uncomfortable and she gives you the the space to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because she understands. That's 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 uh yeah, man, that's what a relationship is all about. So like and it goes back to the whole the whole thing about overriding when we're suppressing who we are and and uh you know, yeah, overriding that, that, that leads to stress, that leads to sickness, that leads to illness. Yeah. And, and that's one thing Instead that I don't like, do to myself. <laughs> and, and that's why yeah, I, I think like I'm it. absent yeah. of a lot of that because I, I, and I don't do it intentionally. Like I, and, and that's one thing that when I talk to you, you know, you, when you're helping people, you're having to, to say, Hey, you don't need to worry about this. And to me, I'm like, I don't, to me, I don't worry about that. So I actually think it's weirder when I think about that would be weird. Like, I mean, something happens to me and I just walk. I mean, if I walk away that I just don't give it a second thought. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. surprising. So in in the interviews that I've had, I've had people that I've, I've known previously in my life, like in the past, and it's funny how many stories I've totally forgot just because that was no longer part of my life anymore. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I did do that, didn't I? <laughs> good mm. times. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing yeah. I didn't know my wife then. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask uh, before we finish up, how uh, men on a journey in Raleigh doing? Oh, man, it's so good. It's uh, It's been fantastic. One of the things I've been thinking about lately with that is just, watching the guys that show up from so many different cultures, backgrounds, and they show up and a lot of times they're really hurt, they're damaged, they're holding in right. whatever it is that they're not feeling good about. They don't feel like they can, can share that with other guys. And then they, they, they've built up a lot of courage, you know, and then they, and because they see people in the room that are opening up and being vulnerable and being emotional and they share that thing that, that they've been carrying and then they get, you know, five responses from different guys that say, yeah, man, I went through that too. And this is how I felt and I understand where you're at. And you just see their eyes get bigger. You see them, their shoulders relax. And in a couple of months of being here, I mean, guys are getting promotions. They're changing jobs there. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It, it's all the benefits that come from lowering that. I don't know that, that baggage that we're carrying around, you right. know, making the, making the load a little bit lighter and feeling better about ourselves and having a plan and thinking we're not alone. Right. Yeah. And that's sometimes it, 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 here's another thing about me. So I had a interview early on with someone that I've known for 30 plus years. And at the end they were like, after we'd done a recording, they were like, you know, I, I didn't realize that you thought of us as being so close. And I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, what? 
And they go, just, you know, what you were talking about. And I was, like, trying to think, so I had to listen to the episode and everything, and I'm like, that's just how I am. Like, some people think, like, I'm, some people will think I'm, I'm very close to them because I'll just open, like, I'll talk about stuff that other people wouldn't. But I just don't have any, I always put it this way. If someone said strip down naked out on a public square, I would do it. I am not ashamed of who I am. I mean, at 56, I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm not ashamed of my body. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I am exactly who I am. I'm not, I mean, uh-huh. people, people can come to me and, oh, well, that, that, whatever. I don't care. It may be true. It may not be true. Either way, I don't care. Because if it's not true, once again, don't care. If it is true, why do I care if it's true? I mean, so I, I just, uh, it, but it does mean somewhat, and that's one thing that having a group, and I'll reference the society and some of the forums that we have, it, it is funny because I'll get comments about things that, like I, I'll, I'll get a message about a comment that I made and someone will say, oh, I didn't think about it from that point of view, or I, I, I hadn't thought about it that, or, you know, thanks for telling, you know, sharing that story. And so you do need something like that because a lot of times we think that we're now I don't, I have never thought this. I never think, even if I have a thought, I'm like, Oh, that's a million dollar idea. I also think someone else has had this idea. I mean, I just never Uh think that I'm the only one going through this, but I know a lot of people do like uh, Bobby and I will talk and she'll say something. I'll be like, I remember something was going on at work once. And uh, so there was a lot of gossip going on. When we first moved to Kansas City, she was working at a church in the office. And she was uh, commenting about um, there's a lot of gossip going on in the office. And I go, well, what did you expect? She goes, well, it's a church. It should be better than that. I go, but it's a job. And I mean, once once she heard that but was able to say it to someone, it changed. Because then she started thinking about she was thinking it should be better because it's a church, like the atmosphere and, and what's going on in the background. But I, I reminded her, it's still human beings, and it's still a job. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have conflicts yeah. with others and everything else. And you, as soon as you come to realize you know, and reset your yep. expectations of that situation, it will make it better yep. for you. So, yeah. That's exactly what mental health is. It's spotting, it's brain spotting. It's, it's realizing, oh, this is why I'm feeling a certain way. Right. This is not the situation at hand. This is a past thing. I am an adult now. And so I can, I can let that go. And it's just, it, it's not that you're going to forget the memory. It, it's more about releasing the charge that that memory carries. Right. Yeah. So we can feel better about it in the moment and realize that we're adults now. Yeah. Or, or it's, you know, six months ago, whatever. Yeah. And I, and I always have said, and I know a lot of people say this, I'm a, a glasses half t- full type of guy. Generally it's half full of weed, but then, then I got to measure it and do some <laughs> different things. But uh, I mean, you know, even when my dad passed away a year and a half ago, the only, you know, I'm not sure I've shed any tears. And it's just because I loved my life with my dad. My dad was an amazing guy. I remember him hitting me balls, shagging. I remember him wearing a baseball glove on one hand, toss the ball up from that hand, hit the ball, and just be hitting, uh, you know, I'd be shagging flies for hours. He would go until dusk. I mean, we had such a wonderful life together, and when he finally passed, I mean, I was so happy 
that he had he had gone through a stroke, he had had some issue mobility issues and everything. And I'm like, you know what? Now you're free. You don't have to worry about anything else right now. You don't have to worry about your health. You don't have to worry about mom. You don't have to worry about us. You can just enjoy being released from all of that. And so I that's how I've always pictured in my mind my dad's passing as opposed to I'm going to miss him. And I do miss him, but just a little bit different. So, I mean, and I get it, but okay. So, uh, so, uh, I think that on this episode we have solved mental health. So everyone that's made it through this episode, I think that they will 100% be, I'm just kidding. That's, it's always, it's a work in progress. And I know I sound disconnected to that, but I, I do work on it. I just work on it probably differently and, 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 and address it differently than everyone. Well, it, it's all about it, that's and that's what I'm all about, man. Is, is instead of it's all about you, right? If, if somebody else wants to tell you it's not you, then then they're they're putting their shoulds and their shit on you, right? Yeah, and 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 that's a lot of people let that happen. I will not. Like I say, I'll walk away. I mean. Once again, I'll circle back to, I always think I'm the best person. So if I walk away, who loses in this situation? You or me? And I, I actually told them that at my job a long time ago. It was actually when they told me that I was high maintenance, uh, just because I will say uh-huh. no. Like one day they wanted me to dust and I go, I dusted yesterday. They go, well, we're not paying you to, to stand around. I go, actually you are, you're paying me to be here for when customers come in. Cause I'm not gonna ju- I'm not gonna dust so it looks like I'm doing something. I yeah, mean, I it, get that. And and I know that I know that someone that owns a business they 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 don't feel like unless you're moving that you're working. Guess mm-hmm. what? I'm getting ready for the next fucking customer that comes in that door because what I do I need to gear myself and get ready and put on that fake smile and get ready. So I'm doing a lot more by standing here than I ever would be dusting. Um, but being able, you know, if I would. I know that there's people that will just go out and they'll dust because they've been told to dust and they're miserable because all they're doing is why Mm -hmm. am I dusting? This doesn't need to be done. I don't need to be doing this instead of just saying no. So, yep. Yeah. (laughs) That's the name of the, uh, the stone genius podcast is just say no, don't get the wrong idea here, but it's, uh, just say no today. (laughs) Uh, actually I'm going to change it because if I put just say no, people will be like, uh, hold on. What? So if I'm that's, gonna, what I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So it'll be. So I'm gonna say it, it will be no. Just say it instead of just say. <laughs> yeah, no. there you go. I like so, it. Yeah. So I no. Like that. Just, I like that. Actually, that. So, <laughs> Mitch, you you just made the T-shirt book. Hold on, I gotta get back to my. <laughs> oh, where's that? Oh, add this in here. I gotta find that. That's that's gonna be good. So I I do and it, and it and it's it's gotta have a, a pot leaf on it. Yes, but it is funny because I I do people have made uh, comments or quotes on the podcast and I have been God where is it? It's so long ago. So I've been making a a, a list of things that people have said. Like one time I was, we were talking conspiracies and someone would go, well, you don't want to fall down that conspiracy hole. So I just want, I want to have a picture. I don't know what the picture is going to be, but it's just going to say conspiracy hole, but I'm now going to have a T. Oh, here's, let's see. Uh, some, here's the number one thing. This is, I'm not a narcissist because of the number one thing I'm going to put on a t-shirt. It says, I am my wife's hype beast. 
because there is, <laughs> I mean, there's literally not a person that I meet. I, as much as I talk about myself and as great as I think I am, there's not a person that I meet that doesn't know how wonderful Bobby is within the first five minutes. I mean, I gush about her all the uh-huh. time. Uh, someone put, uh-huh. uh, said not good, not human. Uh, that was from a paranormal uh, thing. Uh, here's another one. It's not w- worth ruining my own life, which is good for mental health. So, um, mm-hmm. and it, it, my, my biggest one that I'm going to sell is going to be, uh, the comment is the bag is for your head and it's going to come with a paper bag. And that goes from when Bobby, <laughs> Bobby and I were discussing something and she said, I think she goes, weren't you ever with a girl that you had, a, had to put a bag over her head? I go, well, first of all, oh my God. I go, first of all, no. And I go, secondly, if I was with a girl that was so ugly, I would have put the bag on my head, not on her head. <laughs> and I, know that. I know. So, <clears throat> so, so that's why I think that t-shirt, the bag is for her. And it actually will come with a paper bag for everyone. But, uh, so, um, no, just say it is now on the list. So I'm going to get that. I, I need yeah. to. So once I start doing this full time here shortly, I'm going to have our merchandise store up that will have these T-shirts and bumper stickers and things. But that would even be a good one for a bumper sticker. No, uh, just say it. And then it could have some tag to mental health uh, underneath it. There has to be a hashtag or something that we could add. So there we go. We got it. So Mitch, thank, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Keep up, yeah, man. Thank you. Keep fighting the good fight out there. Keep working with those guys. I know that uh, the men, women, I, and I'm when I say guys, I was kind of referencing the uh, uh, your group in Raleigh because uh, I think that's wonderful. People do need somewhere that they can go and uh, share stories and know that they're not alone. And sometimes it just needs people to put it in a way that they can understand it. Um, Mm-hmm. So uh, real quick, and the, uh, I'll finish with this quick story. So I used to, I had gone through a lengthy unemployment back in 2011 uh, into 2012, 22 months where I was doing consulting work, but nothing full-time, not a full-time gig. And I was helping, I actually went to our church to an unemployment group that we had, uh, you know, just uh be with others and, you know, see what everyone else is going through. And then after the fact, I, they asked me to start uh, helping with it. And, uh, so we got to a point where guys were really dead. So one guy shared a story and then other guys shared the story is about getting to be the final, you know, second, final two or three in the candidate pool looking for a job. And you get down and you're the, uh-huh. the second or third, you're, you're one of the last two or three candidates. And then you never hear back from them. And so one person brought that up and they go, that's so demoralizing. And that hurts so much. You know, I just, it's, you know, I thought I had, and I don't even hear back from, I don't know what wrong. And then you have guy after guy, and it was mostly guys in the, this group. It was guy after guy saying the same exact thing. So I stopped everyone. And I said, uh, in very affluent, I mean, this zip code our church is in is one of the most affluent in the United States. Uh, so I knew that my target audience, I go, how many of you guys own houses here? Most of them raise their hands. I go, how many of you guys have ever had to put a roof on your house because of a hailstorm here in Kansas? Most of them had raised their hand. So I ask a couple of them, I go, what's the process of getting a new roof after a hailstorm? They go, well, 
Uh, you call some different companies out. They come out. They took a look at your house. They give you a bid. Then you select one, and you get your roof replaced. I go, okay. I go, does that sound pretty standard? Everyone go through the same process, and they all say yes. So here's one of my problems as a genius is I like to lead you down a path and then smack you in the face. So then I go, how many of, how many of you call the other roofing companies you did not choose to tell them that they were not getting your job? And Im uh. immediately you could hear crickets. And I know I have that on my soundboard, but yeah. it's too late to hear it. It, it, but you could see it on their face because they actually changed because then they started thinking, you know what? They were expecting to hear something. And then once it was put into something that they could go, oh, okay, I could see. Because they were so excited about getting the new roof and, 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 and they didn't call the other and go, hey, that was a great time. This is what you didn't make the cut because you were too expensive. No one does that. And I knew that. So I was uh -huh. able to use that story. But it was amazing when I said that. You could see it in their faces. I mean, there was some relief, uh -huh. but just the, the difference in the way they were looking at those situations, I think it changed a lot of them. So if they get down to being the final two or three candidate, that instead of anticipating um, having some knowledge of that, that they were they were prepared that they weren't going to get the job and they may not hear about it but they may get the job i mean it just kind of changed their outlook and i think it helped so having groups like that uh i just think are, are phenomenal so uh the guys in raleigh that is um they're very lucky to have you doing that for them thank you brother i appreciate yeah, it and i love the story yeah yeah, I mean, it's like I say, sometimes it, it, you never know. I mean, usually I don't think I'm helping people, but it, it is nice to know that uh, sometimes you may be able to make a comment. And even if it wasn't directed at someone, it was just out there in the universe, it can really impact someone's life. It can really change them. So um, it's just a, it's just a, a, a different perspective and getting in the shift a little bit. And that could be that moment, the aha moment for them that allows them to uh, feel better about the situation or make a better decision. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch, I know that you got to go. You have a, you have a busy schedule cause you actually are out there helping people where I, I'm just talking to people, but I want to appreciate, I want to say, <laughs> I appreciate you coming back on the podcast again. I can't wait to have you on again. Uh, it, it, we'll, we'll figure out, we'll still talk about mental health and physical health, but we'll, we'll find another angle as well to talk about it next time as well. Right on, man. I appreciate you. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. Uh, for everyone, uh, right, that was that. Mitch Webb. Uh, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Uh, go to the Stone Gen at the Stone Genius um, uh, Instagram page. Mitch, what's your Instagram? Is I, I feel like there's a middle uh, edition. Uh, uh, at K Mitch Webb. K Mitch Webb. Okay, at K Mitch yeah. Webb. I'll also put links on there. Uh, Mitch, again, thank you so much for uh, listening. This has been Mitch Webb. We've been talking about mental health and identifying that I evidently am a narcissist, which, once again, I don't have a problem with. Thank you all for listening. I'll talk to you all later. Thanks, Mitch. All right, take it easy, brother.